0: In our toxicity, of our city, of our city. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Rounds Rant. Said this so many times that I actually feel like I should get a tattoo to my forehead. But before I get into this week's podcast, I'd just like to thank all my listeners. It's now over the half million mark over the last three and a half years, which is fantastic. Considering this was actually started because one of my mates didn't dare me, but just was like, "You talk so much, shy, you should start your own podcast." So I started as just a pastime slash hobby, and it still is to this day whether people like it or not it doesn't really affect me but obviously it's great to hear that some people do like it and some people hate it which is completely up to them so fair play but the key thing is for you to hate it it means you actually had to listen to it in the first place so the joke's on you bitches i know what you're gonna say if he's so smart why is he in a cage you're in the cage (laughs) But yeah, thank you for listening. My Patreon page still goes. It's still going strong. Uh, For people who want to donate, as I said, it's only like 86 cent a month. So think of what money that actually is to you and think of what you spend on other stuff. So if you feel like it's worthwhile, to support this and keep this going and help me out with subscriptions and equipment and all that, maybe put that 80-something cents. And also, the COVID-19 heads gone 15, my brownie recipes, etc. That's only exclusively to all my patrons. So, if you want that type of stuff, you know what to do. Become a patron. So, yeah, let's get down to business. And when I mean business, I mean nothing. Because all we do these days is just sit in our homes, in our dressing gowns, saying, Okay, is it 7 o'clock? Mom, is it 7 o'clock? okay, let's have dinner and then let's just drink and then maybe get on a Zoom call because that's what's going down tonight. And when I'm at it, I'm going to take a picture and just be like, right, six cocktail, but who's counting? But yeah, it's, it goes without saying, it's just a bizarre time. And I, I feel like that 60-year-old in the street seeing her familiar friend be like, Jesus, Marcus, it's a bizarre time, isn't it? And then like whatever mate's name, Sarah, is like, yeah, it's mental, isn't it? But you're not... It's all for the best. But like, it's just, it's the isolation that is just so bizarre. You, you think of things that you normally would never do because you're too caught up with college, you're too caught up with school, work. You just don't have time to actually spend time with yourself and just think. And that is what I think is one of the positives out of this. A lot of people are just going to be sitting in their room, sitting in their living room, sitting somewhere, going on these long walks on their own and just thinking about shit thinking about what makes them happy, what makes them sad. What have they done with their life? Are they happy with their lives? I think that type of critical thinking, well, not critical thinking, just like emotional evaluation of one's life, it's really important. And that is what society now lacks, is that the capability that one can go, oh, yeah, actually... I'm going to think about how I feel. I'm going to think about how my mates may feel. I'm going to think about, are my family happy with me? Am I happy with my family? Am I happy with my life? Those type of questions never get asked by oneself because you're too busy scrolling. You're too busy doing nonsensical and unimportant shit. Or even if you're surrounded by your mates, you don't even do anything with them. Or going, Your one's pretty decent, isn't she? Oh, you sad dog. You actually liked that earlier. I saw that, mate. I saw you like that. And then some other lads are like, oh. So like first. <laughs> Anyway Without getting off Into a tangent The isolation is shocking Like With relation to Being lonely And being isolated Like I haven't felt This isolated Since like A ball carrier Took a ball Into contact Against David Pocock Or Richie McCaw Pops it to Roccafoco, Really driving At that wallaby defence Oh good work David Pocock but yeah, like, it's it's funny how everyone's reacted in different ways and how social media has kind of reacted in different ways. Because if you look at, say, the only thing that I think has reacted well from a social media standpoint is Twitter. Because people still speak the truth. They say funny shit. And they also talk about how crap this all is. Willa... Uh, Willa? Uh, sorry, uh, back to the English version of Rans Rant. Not the Bulgarian or Hungarian. So, you like, look at Instagram. You've got people... Putting up old pictures of themselves looking good from holidays gone by just to give their depleted ego fabricate a fabricated boost in the form of a couple hundred likes from people who you have never actually met or even had to your house. I just never get that. Number one, I don't get the random posting. It's like, here's a picture of me in Spain beside a pool looking good. And you're thinking, Yeah, that was 18 months ago. Since then, you've been fired from your job. You've put on nine kilos and you look like you're ready to work for Panda Bin Company. So it's just like, what's your angle there? And when I mean angle, I mean current angle. It just it makes no sense to me because you're clearly just looking for this little boost. You're obviously not having a great day. So how dark is it that people have to turn to Instagram to get that justification now? The way you justify happiness now is in the form of a number associated with a stranger double pressing their screen. That is it. That is how you judge yourself these days. And that is how shit it all is. And that is why I, I plead to people to listen to my Adam Alter podcast. Okay, It's my least listened to. And it's for the exact reason I'm talking about. People are doing this type of shit, not realizing it. Listen to it, please. If, if people condone the type of behavior, oh, yeah, here's a picture of me looking decent in Portugal. Yeah, it's going to upload that see how many likes it gets. Like, if you condone this type of behavior, you should still be using Facebook with Mark Zuckerberg, like American college students who are oblivious to everything and also pupils from CUS, as that's a platform which is it's only handy for finding old holiday photos and videos. That's like f- Facebook's purpose is that, just Good pictures, good videos of holidays gone by. Because like if you're still posting statuses on Facebook, the only people who are seeing those type of things is your mom and some boss based in a Russian lab. Which is like, "Ah, Vichy Allen has posted an update, exterminate. And then my mom over dinner would be like, Why um what do you think so funny about COVID nineteen? I'd be like, Excuse me. I saw your Facebook status. We need to talk. Also, if your mom talks like that, you need to call the police. But yeah, again, Zoom, the Zoom buzz, like it's, uh, like, how good is it? Which I'm slightly messing about. But, like, the words, can everyone see my screen, might as well just become everyone's bios, everyone's go-to phrase, because it's said every time. I've said it so many times. It's in my head. It is in my head. I'm in my head by purely saying this thing. So, like, it's an inception, but it's great to be able to catch up with all your mates. A lot of people miss their friends. They miss the idea of having their friends over for a chat or pre-drinks, whatever you want to call it. As I said, like, 80% of that time you spend with your friends is just spent over spent about talking about other people. So it's just like, oh yeah, all the lads are coming over, yeah, we'll chill, blah, blah, blah. But like 80% of that is them mentioning someone else, them going on Instagram, being like blah, 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 blah. And like it's just weird. Cause whenever you're without your mates, you wish you could talk to them. But while you're actually with them, you wish they wouldn't talk so you can have a cheeky scroll on the gram. It's just a bit weird. That's all I'm saying. Speaking of the gram, Like people have now become professional cocktail makers, which is good. It is good. One medium dry vodka martini, mixed like you said, sir, and not stirred. Thank you. Anything else, sir? No, that's all. And also, chefs. Romantic dinner. More like a fucked up dinner. All three of you are pathetic. You don't care. I care. You're way behind, and you haven't got a fucking clue. Can we work together as a team? And the thing is, I think it's great that people are cooking myself I've learned how to make multiple desserts thank you Reggie Wise, you absolute saint but like that's my whole point I haven't gone out of the way to be like right I'm now a certified chef I know how to cook all these extravagant meals and I shall be picked up by a Michelin star restaurant because I went out and got it off someone who knows what they're doing my big issue is that Some people are just like, right, I'm just going to stick some fucking olive oil in the fucking pan, fuck all the meat on and be like, oh, fucking Jamie's Italian pizza. Couple of tablespoons, three or four of extra virgin olive oil. Olive oil goes back into the pan. Let's have a little bit of olive oil. Put some olive oil, just a couple of tablespoons. Like, that doesn't work. It still tastes like a terrible cooked steak or terrible pizza. Like, get some help because some of the meals that I'm seeing on Instagram... Starving kids in Africa would turn their nose at. They would leave. If you were a restaurant and you were presenting that to them, they would leave the restaurant. Or else they'd go into Google reviews and leave a terrible review. Anyway, at the, at the risk of sounding as bitter as a uh, lemon or a container of those toxic waste sweets or just to mark me and as one of his podcasts, I just want to commend everyone for doing that because they're doing something worthwhile with their time. So fair play, genuinely. It is, whether it's fitness, whether it's cooking, whatever, you're doing something constructive with your time, learn something new. It is very, very good to see. But back onto a more concerning matter is is the light that's at the end of the tunnel, the normality that will present itself to us in several months' time. But, like, when clubs eventually open, when pubs come back, it's just like, what's going to happen? Like... Everyone reserve reserve, like, I need to get English lessons. That's another thing. I need to do the leave insert again. I know it's not gonna take place for like six years, but can I please do it? because I've lost the ability to fucking speak. But like just when they reopen, like copper's is the go to. Everyone's like, Can you imagine what coppers is gonna be like when all this is said and done? It's like, yeah, I can because it's just going to be like a ga fueled orgy where like you'll have Jimmy from Cork kissing Darren from Mayo while Sarah from Limerick scores David from Sligo and Eric from Drumcondra shags a sheep from Wicklow or so they say like it's it's going to be a free for all and still at the end of the day You're going to be having water down vodka and having the best time of your life, and you'll be dancing with a sheep to Mr. Brightside until close, i.e. half five. And then you'll go out, it'll be bright outside, and you'll be like, this is the best thing ever. And then you'll wake up and realize it was all just a dream, and you're still in isolation, and you're still going completely insane. Yeah Like society's gonna get weird It's gonna get pretty weird Before it gets better And it's uh, Yeah It's gonna be like this We should all be very careful On the mainland There's a lot of crime around Arsonists and muggers everywhere My friend Mrs. O'Dwyer Was robbed last week Oh no Did they get much? No, Father, I don't think you understand. She was robbed. They stole her. <laughs> See? It's a terrible thing when an old person can't even walk down the street for fear of being stolen. And also, I touched on this the last time. Like, another issue I have with COVID-19 is joggers. And I've said this before, but I need to stress this again. Because since then, I've I've literally almost killed two people. And that's not what I want. So, it's like, it's vital that if you are going for a jog, you don't run on the actual road. Okay, just because there's a pandemic going on doesn't mean, actually, you know what? Um, there's a pandemic on, so therefore, I do not need to adhere to society norms. I'm going to run in the middle of the fucking road. Like, you can't do that. You just simply cannot do that. Okay, because at a funeral, I like don't want to be hearing, yeah, he was ran over because he was running and got hit. Like, it's just... Could you imagine that conversation? Like, did you hear about John last week? He passed away. Oh, no. Oh, no. Did he have the coronavirus? Uh, No, he was doing his 5K challenge in world record time when a 39A ran him over as he was sprinting up the road. Like, that's essentially what's going to happen if people don't cop the fuck on. Stay on the path. If someone's approaching you, just step to the side of the path. Don't veer like the Terminator chasing... John Connors in that scene. Like, just relax. Like, literally relax. But the best part of all this, though, has been genuinely spending time with my parents and close friends. Like, I've got the opportunity to spend so much time with my parents, see them through their best and worst, which is sometimes it is taken for granted, is what I should say. Like, I see my parents all all throughout the day. I talk to them about how shit it is, how good it is, the good and bad, blah, blah, blah. I got a chance to do a podcast with my dad, which was absolutely gas. But like I get to meet a mate or two, go for these really long walks, have good conversations for two or three hours. And like you never got that opportunity back when it was quote unquote normal. You didn't get that opportunity. You just did not get that opportunity to chat with your mates, think about life, talk about the good and bad. Like you just don't get that. And that is one thing. When this all goes back to normal, it's actually going to be slightly devastating when it is back to normal and we all get focused into social media bullshit when you're in companies of your friends, they'll be too busy putting up Instagram stories and not having good conversations. I hope I'm wrong on that. I really do. I really hope I'm wrong on that, but I don't think I will be. Maybe I will be. If I am, bloody fantastic. But yeah, another thing I was thinking of is an XV. And the head's Gone one, as I said, that's going to be my Patreon page. So if you want to support the podcast, you'll get to support the greatest XV ever. The head's Gone COVID-19-15. I thought it'd be a good idea to do a COVID-19-themed 15 anyway, but it's not Heads Gone. It's all the sayings or everything to do with COVID-19-15. So without further ado, here we go. Okay, and here we are in a sun-drenched Beaver Stadium. Number one, these are unprecedented times. Number two, stay safe. Number three, I hear they will extend it. Number four, anyone up for a quiz? And number five, the 40-minute time limit is nearly up. And number six don't have a PokerStars account? Number seven. Sure, look at what's happened in Italy. And number eight. Did you see what Trump said earlier? Number nine. Have you tried the Bujo home kit? Number 10. And captain for your team today. Can everyone see my screen? Number 11. This is an easy and effective home workout. Number 12. Anyone have any gym equipment? Number 13, did you get nominated? Number 14, oh, the Michael Jordan doc is d slash incredible. Insert jock caption here. And number 15 in the back line is, did you see their story? Their head's gone. And the bench is whatever the fuck you want to say. There's so many things that I'm not our saying. So, yeah, just to give a bit of a, a lighthearted second half to this podcast, some holiday slash funny stories. And I've been requested to do this a lot, like a lot. And when I mean a lot, like definitely more than, I'd say, 30 times at this stage. I've obviously gone to live through matches a lot over the years. And the most recent one was the heroic comeback in which they beat Barcelona 4-0. They were 3-0 down after the first leg and I'd booked tickets, flights, accommodation, the works before the first leg. So after the first leg, they lose to Barcelona 3-0. They're like 30-1 to 1 to go through. It's a miracle. Everyone's just like, what were you thinking, Richie? You've blown huge amounts of money. I'm not going to get into it, but like huge amounts of money. Everything was booked. And yeah, I remember heading over with my old man, David, and thinking, Jesus, we're going to need a miracle because I was at borisio dortmund liverpool in anfield several years ago and that was another similar thing where they need like two goals and four minutes to go through and they got it but yeah so i remember going over and for the whole thing like i could even see it in my dad's eyes he was like oh we've completely blown this but we get over and like the actual whole thing was hilarious so my dad bought the tickets so i was like here's the money Go get tickets on a website. And like most of them are just they're extortion of prices, but like screw, it. it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Barcelona in a semi-final of a Champions League. So my dad bought the tickets, and then I was like, Dave oh, I just had a quick look at the site there, and the reviews are quite concerning. Like the average rating was like one point eight stars. People were like, This is a disgrace, this is a scam, this is illegal. So there was a huge kind of worry, a cloud over our heads that like this was not a reputable site and we've just been conned of a huge amount of money for these two tickets to Barcelona and Liverpool. So we go over the day of the game and we had a few pints beforehand and my dad was like showing me the email. It was like, oh, go to this pub, meet this guy called Jimmy. And the thing was they were like, you will meet our executive representative Jimmy at the door and he will show you to our reception where you will get your tickets. So we're like, right, it sounds a bit official enough. And we get up close to the stadium, go to this bar where Jimmy was meant to be. And we pull up in one of the black cabs. And there's a guy who looks like F- uh, Father Romeo Sensini from Father Ted. Slick back gray hair, sunglasses on, even though it was like 10 degrees. And he's there with a big fag in his mouth, just being like. Phew, phew. And I go, David, there's literally just one person. Thank you, man, Jimmy. So we get out of the cab. And before we could even ask him who he was, he was like you here for the tickets, mate. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, up back, hurry up. And we were like, my dad looked at me as if to be like, right, this could be the end here. And we go around to the back, proper Green Street stuff. And we go to the back of the bar, not like a reception, I think. This like pretty rough bar, packed bar. And there's like this makeshift table with loads of tickets, season tickets, loads of papers, some birds, some other lad. And a Nike track suit. And my dad goes up. And says, like, yeah, uh, David Allen, uh, we're looking for two tickets to the Liverpool Barcelona game. The man goes, yeah, hey, give us a second, will you? Jesus Christ. And my dad kind of looking at me like, Jesus, this could be a bit of a disaster here. So he goes, and the passport, mate? And my dad was like, what? Get your passport. And my dad was like, so what? And he's like, give us your passport. So I go, dad, give me your passport. And he goes, sorry, what's what's this for? And he goes, we take your passport. We'll give you the tickets, mate. So the deal was they basically held us as, as collateral, took his passport, gave him two season tickets and goes, right, these are someone's season tickets. You have to go in, swipe it and bring it back to us after the match. Once you bring it back to us, we'll give you back the passport. So my dad was like, this is this is criminal activity here. But I was like, David, we're in no position to argue here. So we did the exchange, went to the match, and obviously it was a miracle match. Liverpool won 4-0. Ne- I, like, I'll never forget that night because like I, it's such a hard thing to put into words and I get so much stick for it. Like Liverpool to me is just it's the be-all, end-all for sports. Like Nothing will get me going more than Liverpool Football Club. And uh, as I said, I'm not saying I'm proud to say it. That's just a fact. Okay, when it comes to Irish football, Irish rugby, club rugby, it it just doesn't do it for me to the extent that it does with Liverpool. And you will say they're English, nothing to do with Ireland, blah, blah, blah. It's the way I am. It's the way I feel. I'm not going to lie about it. So I remember after the match, bawling my eyes out with my old man. And like it, it it was one of the best moments, if not the best moment of my life, where everything was put against the team, me and my dad supporting our favorite side, Seeing him ball his eyes out, seeing him, seeing me ball my eyes out, surrounded by sixty thousand lunatics, it was incredible. And like, it was complete mayhem after the match. We get out of the stadium. All the taxis had just stopped work, and people got out of their taxis. They were on the roofs of taxi flares. There were people throwing like fireworks outside windows. People hanging out of windows. People hanging on buses, bus stops. It was just carnival atmosphere. And like I cannot stress it to you, like people in Liverpool. It is their life. That, like, it's not the be-all, end-all. If Leinster lose a match, people still go to Searsons and just be like, oh, it was a tough game, it wasn't it? Here in Liverpool, if they lose a big game, it puts the city into depression for several weeks. If they win a game, it lifts everyone's spirits. When they go into work on a Monday morning of the day after, they're in the best form of their lives, purely because the football team have done well. And that's what some people fail to get in Ireland if they haven't experienced it. Like it is properly just a religion over there. It's the be all end all. And it's complete carnival atmosphere. We had to walk back to the city. It took us like an hour, but we didn't care. And I remember we went back to the hotel we were staying in. And when we got to the hotel earlier that day, we didn't have time to actually check in properly. So we had to leave our luggage and all that at reception. And they were like, ah, we have you in the suite, blah, blah, blah. So we get back, we're knackered, it's like 12 o'clock, ready for bed, a bit jarred, and he was like, oh, you're in room 24. So we go up to room 24, and I'm not lying, right? It genuinely was the size of a green bin, the room. Forget swinging a cat in there, you couldn't couldn't fit in the room, the two of us. It was that small, it was shocking. And my dad was just like, "Uh, we're not sleeping here. And I was like, what? And he goes, we're not, I'm not sleeping here. I'm like, that's like half 12. He goes, I don't care. I'm not sleeping in here. We, like we we'll are probably actually choking in here. There's no windows. There's no nothing. It was one of the worst rooms I've ever seen. So he goes out to reception, ends up getting into domestic reception. And he's like, I don't care what it takes. Get me a room that is fit for purpose and not an absolute disgrace to this hotel. And. 10 minutes later we got sorted but like the room was so bad it was so bad <laughs> like it was shocking but yeah, good times um someone asked me to tell us a bit about vegas what goes on in vegas stays in vegas is what is said except until you say it so then once it's said, it's been said, and therefore it doesn't stay in Vegas. It stays in your mouth until it's out of your mouth. So that's what's going to happen here. So think about Vegas for people who haven't been there. Number one, it is outrageously hot, like outrageously hot. Drive from San Diego to Vegas. You're driving for four hours, and you're like, right, desert, 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 deserts." Oh, sorry, there's Vegas. That's just Vegas in the middle of the desert. It is so warm. Just in the middle of the desert, as I said. Do I wanna say desert again? Yeah, I'll say desert again. What about the desert? So we stayed in Treasure Island Treasure Island, excuse me, which was really nice hotel. Thing is about the hotels is you barely have to pay any money for the hotels because once you get there, they know you're gonna spend money. So like I think it was like forty, fifty dollars a night, which is really nothing for like a four star hotel. And obviously, I think I was like twenty-two at the time. We get there And we're all just overwhelmed with the prospect of being in Vegas. Can I ask you another question? Sure. You probably get this a lot. This isn't the real Caesar's Palace, is it? What do you mean? Did did Caesar live here? Um, No. I don't think so. And I remember one night we went to Encore, which is one of the top clubs in the place. And we're having a great night. And I remember a few girls came over to our table. And there's some girl who was very political. And I remember I got chatting to her about Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And this was like before the um, election results. A lot of people were like, is it going to be Hillary? Is it going to be Donald Trump? This was at the time where there was leaking of like Hillary's emails. There was a lot of like the whole American... The economy was in turmoil. no one knew who was going to win. No one wanted Hillary to win because she was a liar. no one wanted Trump because he was a racist sexist disgrace, and this girl was really pro Hillary at the time, and I just wasn't kind of invested in the material she was coming out with and she like I was trying to enjoy my night with the lads and before I knew it, she was really getting in my ear about Hillary Clinton and like how great she is and I was just like. I don't really care, but since you're going at it, I'm just going to completely unravel your whole night's plans by saying I think Donald Trump's a great man. And just for the record, I don't think Donald Trump's a great man. I think he's entertainment. I do think that, but like at the end of the day, he's the president of the United fucking states. So like, yes, he's entertaining, but like he literally is the most powerful man in politics. So like, that's slightly terrifying, and it shows you how screwed up this whole world is. But anyway, don't want to get too political, never do. China, China, China. I have to have my China, 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 because China, 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 now, China. I then just mentioned to this girl, I was like, to be fair to Donald Trump, though, you know, he worked, he worked hard to get in the position where he is. And I think he's the right man to make, you know, make America great again. And once I used that slogan, I knew she was going to snap. And she did snap. She went fucking mental. So I remember then chatting to her, and like she was old enough, I think she was 30 31. So I ended up going back to a casino with her. And I I forget the thing is, like, since the hotels have casinos, you can still just go into the casinos, even if you're not staying in the hotel. And they always give you free gin and tonics and all that. So I remember genuinely it's a bit vague. I remember I've kind of vanished from the lads for like for an hour or two and it's like a bit of a blur but like I remember waking up at an actual blackjack table in a casino that was more or less empty and waking up to my phone ringing and like the dealer being like here your phone's been ringing for the last 10 minutes no one else was at the table and I was like shit sorry and it was one of the lads who I was staying with he's like where are you and I like looked up and I was like a casino and he was like oh, okay that just narrows it down to like 52 casinos you absolute moron but i eventually found them but like that's the type of stuff in vegas that just happens you're in a club you're getting swept up with it you're getting into political uh, arguments with complete strangers who are five six seven years older than you and then you wake up uh half conscious on a casino <laughs> blackjack table dangerous like and speaking of blackjack on the first night i got there in treasure island we got there at, like i say three or four in the afternoon and the thing about these casinos is they don't have any windows or anything like that. So, like, it could be one o'clock in the day, one o'clock in the morning. You wouldn't know the difference. Genuinely, you can't see outside. It's just dark, loads of lights. It's crazy. So, anyway, I was in there playing blackjack. We'd all spread out. Some of the lads were doing roulette. Some were up in the hotel room. I think one or two went to the pool. But I was like, oh, I've barely played blackjack. I really want to play blackjack. See if I can get one up in Vegas, you know. Go back and have that story. Yeah, I, I came away from Vegas. And I, you know, I had the last laugh which is literally the dumbest attitude you can have, like, ever. So I started playing blackjack, and it was like something you'd see in a Coen Brothers film. I'm sitting there in, like, a St. Michael's beater and shorts and sandals. People are probably looking at me being like, sorry, what's the story here? Is Make-A-Wish Foundation being sponsored here. What's the crack? So I am playing, and two other of the lads who were playing, they were both from Texas. They seemed to be kind of like pally with each other and they were up here for the the big week in Vegas, so to speak. And one was called Jerry. And I'll tell you later why I actually remember his name so specifically. Um, So your man, Jerry, right? He seemed to be on the cusp of a comprehensive mental fucking breakdown. And the other guy who, I I forget his name, he was going on like how he has a wife at home. And it was so apparent that he's doing the dirt on this girl it was shocking, like. So, immediately, I was like, right. Not only am I playing against a dealer here, but psychologically, these two guys I need to be wary of. So, within 25 minutes, I would lost $450, genuinely. And the only positive I could take from the whole thing was the free G&Ts that just you were getting swamped with. And then before you knew it, I was absolutely cuss, fecking, fagging away at the table. Like... <laughs> I eventually stormed off the table, and the reason that happened was your man Jerry, the guy from Texas, he was like, hey, buddy, stop fucking smoking, you punk, which is like the most contradicting thing ever, because I get the fact he's from Texas, but like what Texan uses punk? I thought Clint Eastwood's the only guy in America that uses that word, or else uh, MTV interviewer talking to a punk rock band. But yeah, he goes, hey, buddy, stop fucking smoking, you punk. I turned to Jerry and I looked him in the eye and I literally told him to fucking piss off. He didn't take too kindly with that because then he pointed out the fact that he had thousands of dollars in front of him. I don't know if he was up or down. He had that amount of money. That was kind of hard to tell. He then just laughed. And it was at that, like, you always have these points on holidays where you just question everything. Everything gets questioned. So why am I here? I should be at home in bed. Where are my friends? What's my bank account looking like? Am I real? And that was that moment. I told someone to piss off. I was pissed. Turned out it was like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I didn't know where my friends were. I was in the middle of Vegas wearing a Michael's or shorts and sandals. And some guy from Texas, Jerry, and some other clown who was probably cheating on his wife, basically shooed me off a blackjack table because I lost $450 that I simply could not afford to lose. And yeah... That, like, thank God we I was only there for two nights because the whole place is just, it's mental. And that's what The Hangover doesn't sell you. It show, shows you the glamour and stuff with The Hangover. But, like, the key thing about The Hangover film is it shows you the build-up towards the night. But the whole night, all you get of that is pictures at the end. You don't get to see what they went through. That type of crazy shit, it does happen because you just lose track of time. It is so warm. It's... There's money everywhere. It's just, it's insane. It is insane. But yeah, another story I was thinking there was back in the day, I think for a second year again, like quite young, we went back to some guy's house in Sandy Mount. And the aim of the game basically was, right, people walk by the house. Like there was like 10 of us crammed into his living room. We had the window slightly open. And we would just scream stuff. If it was a ginger, we'd be like, ginger! If they're fat, we'd be like, hey, fatty! It was real immature, terrible stuff to be doing that really, right now, uh, we'd never think twice of doing it. But I remember <laughs> someone walks by, and the guy's bald, okay? And that's kind of just your invitation there. So if someone's bald, you're going to mention the fact that they're bald. So this guy is walking, like really strutting along the path, And to give you a bit of context, the window is about seven to eight meters, maybe nine meters from the actual path. There's a bit of a garden between us. So I'm kind of like slightly poking my head out the window and your man's walking by. And I just scream, BOLLY! And immediately once I say that, he just turns his head as if he's like Arnold Schwarzenegger hearing something in Bloody Predator. And he just suddenly, and he just... (laughs) looks towards the window we all duck, and i'm like get the fuck down everyone get down he said, i think he might have seen us and this is one of the houses where you have steps up to the middle floor and then also steps down to the basement slash ground floor so this window was on the middle floor beside the steps so after about a minute i slowly poke my head back up and i'm like okay i think i think he's gone lads lads i think he's gone and I'm looking out towards the path. And I'm like, "He's yeah, lads, I think he's gone. And the thing is, this window, right? You have the main window. So I had like three parts. You had the main window and then two little side windows. So I look out to my right on the side window. No word of a lie. I see this bald guy, like Stone Cold Steve Austin bald, just staring back at me, screaming screaming why why are you screaming though honestly because we're you have to project when you're on uh, when you're on stage we're mic'd. when you're on stage you have have the mic on you and also it's just us right here oh who are you talking to oh that's right I have a mic alright so we're gonna and the thing is the window's down so I don't know all I heard so I then duck turn around to the lads and I'm like listen the ball guy's outside and he is angry so we're obviously in for a second year at this second year, and all the second years, please. And the parents of the guy's house come up to the living room. They're like, "Lads, what's going on? Someone's banging at the door." And then all we we go out to the hallway, and all you he hear is like, "Open up, you cowards! Open the fucking door!" Calling me Molly. <laughs> and the mom's like, "Sorry, um, lads, what's going on here?" And we tried to explain, we we're like, listen, long story short, some bald guy fell, sorry, walked by, and we called him bald, and he's obviously very upset now, and while I was explaining this to the mom, all here's hears, boom, open the door, you cowards! And the mother opens the door, real nice woman, goes, oh, hello, and he goes, your fucking son's in there shouting abuse at me! And she was like, oh, what did they say? He goes, I was walking around and they called me a How would you like that? How would you like to be all that? Which is like the most stupid question someone can ask because like she can't put herself in the like, no, that's not how it works. You can't just be like, I know you're not bald. I know you're not a man. I know you're not in my position. And I know it's a completely different circumstance, but like, try imagine that you're in my position here. It's just like, uh, no, until I'm in that position and experience that position, I can't really comment. But he started screaming. She was very adorable and just nice and pleasant. So she's like, oh, I'm very sorry. Yeah, yeah, very sorry, very sorry. So <laughs> <laughs> calms down. He then walks off. And the thing was, he then walks down the road and one of the lads, not myself, thought it'd be a great idea. An absolute great idea to call him Baldy again. And lo and behold, he's walking all here's Baldy and he turned around and like you could tell he was defeated. He just put up a tame middle finger. And like, I wonder what that guy's up to right now. Like, imagine that. Imagine that was his day. Imagine he goes home to his wife and kids and he's like, How are you, son? How was how was your fucking day at school, brother? How was your fucking day? He's like Hey, Dad, it was a good day. I I learned five plus five equals fucking ten. And he'd be like, Go, son, you fucking legend. And then he'd be like, Hey, Dad, how was your fucking day? And he'd be like, I got called bully by a bunch of push wankers and Sandy him out, son. He'd be like, Yes, Dad, fair fucking play, dear. And he'd be like, Yes, son. And then they'd have their bacon and cabbage. Yeah, my God, my God. So, yeah, I said I would do my top ten films ever as well which was tough i've been watching a lot of films in quarantine a huge amount of films like massive massive amounts of films and it took me a while to get this nailed down but i'm pretty happy where it's at so starting with number 10 all the way down to number one so number 10 everybody wants some number nine short term 12 number eight (laughs) i have to do it sorry And where's Barney? Oh, he's with his new girlfriend, the Japanese conceptual artist. shop is in danger of growing stale. I'm taking it to strange new places. Number eight. Uh. Number eight. Number eight. Number eight. Number eight. Sorry. Number eight. Boogie Nights. Number seven. Memento memento not momentum oh devin turner gets out of the game like good momentum number six truman show number five terminator 2 number four heat number three blade runner number two magnolia and number one mulholland drive stay alive 25 and yeah so i asked a good few quickfire well just but i asked people do they have any questions or topics and I got sent on obviously way too much stuff. So I just condensed it down to like six or seven. I thought would be easy to answer or good to answer. People would like to know. Uh, one was, what's the first place you would go with the lads once this is over? Genuinely, I'd say one of the lads' houses are Nando's and just eat and catch up and chat and be just so thankful this is over. And another question, which I actually thought was quite good, was has your outlook on life changed since you were like 17, 18 years of age? I thought that was a good question, genuinely, because I always found that during school, your outlook doesn't really change when you're in school. But then once you get into college, your kind of career goals, your friends, all that just gets changed. And outlook on life, yeah, it definitely has changed. So even like early college years, I always used to be very narrow focused and just like, right, just get through these exams, do this. Focus on this week, blah, blah, blah. Now I'm very much just a bit more open ended. I like kind of plan my year so to speak. What am I going to do for holidays? What do I want to do with this year? I don't necessarily say, oh, set goals, but like what will my year look like if I have a good one or an enjoyable one? So that's kind of what it was. And then also friends-wise as well, the younger you are when you're like 18, 19, you've loads of friends, but then once you get into your mid-20s, you still maybe speak to the same guys, but like you don't, you have different relationships now. Like you've close, close, close friends that... You've now known for maybe 10, 15, 20 years and you're just at that stage now where it's just like a strong friendship that in most cases and it is getting like rarer and rarer now is that like your close, close mates are the guys that just know what make you tick They know that side of you that only a few people get to see, the crazy, stupid side of you that you only release out into the wild in front of them, and just, like, emotional intelligence and stuff like that, the ability just to turn to one of your mates or your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whoever the fuck it is, and just to have that chat that a lot of other people would be uncomfortable having with someone else. And, yeah, like, I'm definitely more, like, grateful for my family and stuff than I was in school, And even stuff like my health, like when I was 18, 19, didn't have diabetes. Now I do. And a lot of people, well, not a lot of people. I know some people go like, ah, it's not that bad, which is not. In the grand scheme of things, it's not. It's part of my normal life now, and I don't really moan about it. But like with that said, it still causes more deaths than like a shit ton of cancers do and stuff like that. So it is definitely a disease that does suck in the long run, but like. Could be a lot worse, but like health as well is something that I definitely don't take for granted. And it just gives you a better perspective on things as well. So when you deal with shit news or a setback or whatever, that's kind of allowed me to just be a bit more level-headed and just be like, listen, shit does happen, but also great stuff happens as well. And just get on with it. Predictions on how the world will change after this. I don't really know if everyone knew a lot of people could be millionaires. I think social media will still be strong. I think a lot of jobs, a lot of jobs will change. A lot of people will view their companies in a different light after this. I think a lot of people may work from home or do maybe two three splits where two days a week you work from home, three days you're in because people are spending millions and millions and millions on Uh, you know leases on buildings having all these facilities while if someone can do the work with a laptop or two at home that's going to save companies fucking crazy money Um, yeah just even human contacts like norm just meetings a lot of things now would be done online yeah it'd be weird I think it also with like retail and stuff like that online shopping I know those increases in that over the last few years I think that's going to spike even more now like, why would anyone want to say go to Brown Thomas now when you can just look at it all online and just get it there? Boom, bang, boom, boomerang. But it's, it's hard to know. I think it's like even like sport and stuff like that, I think it's either going to go one or two ways. I think some people may be like screw sports and all that. What well, I think other people may be like, oh, my God, sports is the biggest thing in my life now. Absolute biggest. And I think even like teaching standards college, how people would be taught, how it will be done online, it will be completely different. How that will look exactly, I do not know. And I, I don't expect to know, nor should I know. No, the question was, do you think society has become too politically correct in a sense that you cannot say true but controversial things? Yes, I do. I do think that, yeah. Because I think a lot of people now mainly, and like Joe Rogan talks about it a lot, and I'd be a big fan of his, not saying everything he says is right, but like the guess he has and the general perspective he has on this, I, I tend to agree with, is like, People now, their opinion is, it's not formed by themselves. It's just reacting off basically social media, what they see on social media and what they see with their friends. So like when you go against the grain, something that's true, people will give out to you and just be like, what the hell are you saying that for? You shouldn't say that. You should buy into what everyone else is doing, which is just essentially being a sheep, which is not what you want to do because like, If you say something that's controversial, but you believe it to be true, like you should be able to say it. Like the whole free speech thing and like so many comedians get in trouble nowadays because some of their jokes are deemed offensive or sexist or racist or something like that. Like there is a line. I think everyone at the end of the day knows what that line is when you overstep it, when it's just whether it's not the right thing to say, not the right thing to do. I think that that's been the same for pretty much the entire Duration of mankind. Everyone knows what's right and wrong, good and bad, etc. But like now, I feel like it is—it's instead of just being drawn in the middle of the sand, it's come back a few meters. So now there's certain things that you used to be able to say—they're not allowed to say. With more, you get more resistance now, and it's just—it's just the way it is because. People do like to argue that access to social media means that if you see something you disagree with, you're going to disagree with it and know that it's not going to be a huge consequence to us. And yeah, like, yeah, like I could, I could spend 20 minutes on this, but yeah, 100% do think society has become too politically correct. And like even on a small scale, like people are just afraid to be creative. I think creativity also has been completely suppressed, completely Okay, like even just like 95% of people who listen to this, I guarantee you, have looked at a girl's or a guy's uh, Instagram or Twitter or what they've been up to and been like, oh, they're a bit weird. Oh, their heads are gone because they did this. If someone puts up a TikTok on their thing, it's, oh, his head's gone. His head's gone. Oh, look, he did a weird thing there. Oh, his head's gone. Oh, Rallon <laughs> started a podcast. His head's gone. It's like genuinely grow the fuck up. Do original shit. Do not be afraid to do whatever the hell you want because, oh, I think that guy who I vaguely know or that girl who I vaguely know, she might not be too impressed or he might actually slag me for it. I do not give a shit. People need to have that attitude of just like, yes, obviously care about people and care about the actions you make, but also don't be suppressed because of a potential fear that, oh, I don't think I'll fit in then or, oh, I don't think people will... Look at me the same way. If you start thinking that, you get into a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous corridor and you want to get out of that. Genuinely. Yeah, I could, uh, fuck it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I could go on forever, but I'm not. If you had a choice to spend all of quarantine and isolation with three famous people, who would it be? Hmm. Honest Wilson there, go, get out of here. He'd be like, get to the chopper. And I'd be like, there is no chopper. And he'd be like, where's the chopper? And I'd be like, what are you talking about? And he'd be like, no, get out of here. I'd be like right I'm going to bed But I think he'd be great he'd just be so level headed He's seen it all before He'd make sure he'd keep fit give you motivational Talks I think he'd be good company Uh, Rihanna because I'm in love with her And I also think she's cool She's cool like she'd be good crack as well I'd say and She's also a bit of a badass as well so like If like Corona popped at the front door She'd be like get out of here man And like I don't know Take a toke of her spliff and blow it away and speaking of blunt, Seth Rogan, because his laugh is hilarious, and he is hilarious, and he'd just be sitting on a sofa all day just laughing. And lastly, your favorite teacher in St. Michael's? Good question. Hmm. Martin Kelly, because I went through absolute inner turmoil and hell in fifth year, and he helped out a lot, which not many people know, but he was like, above and beyond the most supportive in that period which was great and from a teaching point of view like literally teaching simon carey like he brought so much energy he'd just come in he'd be like this is the best ever let's learn some geography but he was brilliant the fact that he could come in monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday and just bring so much energy enthusiasm to whatever class he was teaching was i always admired it i always did like yeah you could not admire it it was incredible but yeah, so if you want to hear my COVID-19, heads gone, you got to be a patron. If you want my brand new recipe, patron. If you want my badinos, patron. If you want some good extra content, you got to be a patron. And I'm going to be a bit more strict on what type of shit I send out and what good stuff comes out. Excuse me on my patron. But in the meantime, thank you for listening. Stay safe, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, you, know, you can't fire a cannon out of a canoe, but the big question is, you know, is it in within two kilometers of your home because if it's not you're in a world of trouble so that's all for me Eddie Sullivan. your sports correspondent stay safe and uh graver.